Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning again. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. So glad that you're here. Want to welcome those watching in Issaquah, Renton, Castle Rock, Duval, and online. We keep on adding campuses, and so I know I'm going to forget one one day, but we are glad uh, that you're here. And before we go any further, uh, can we just give it up for the dozens and dozens of people who serve today? Can we do that? At our last service, uh, before our last service, there were people uh, plowing the sidewalks and getting the driveways uh, ready on this campus and all our other campuses. And, and really, that uh, is extraordinary, just the level of effort as we really uh, prepare our hearts to really hear, I hope, I hope from God uh, today. Now, the snow, I don't know about uh, you, any of you from like the Midwest or the Northeast? Yeah, okay, you like this, don't you? Yeah. Uh, well, me not so much. Uh, I'm not a great snow person. In fact, I had a fail, uh, really. Uh, my, my dog loves to play in the snow. He puts his whole head down in the snow. And he was spending a little time in the backyard. I let him out before I went to church uh, last Tuesday. And then I realized uh, I did not put him back in. So if you want to come to Jack's memorial, no, just kidding, that didn't happen. Uh, but it's sort of funny that we go crazy when it's snow day, don't we? Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, I came across these pictures from some of your uh, social media pages. Here's one, shows a grocery store. Uh, yeah, here, here's, now you got to like, we're good drivers, aren't we in the snow? Yeah, that's one. Uh, this one was really surprising. And, of course, this is the most frightening one of all. Uh, go ahead and roll the next. Yeah. Yeah, that one right there. In fact, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Pastor Steve Jamison over at Eastridge Church, he texted me uh, yesterday. And uh, he said, are you going to cancel any services? And I said, I'll cancel Saturday night if you do. He texted me back, deal. <laughs> We're the only two churches in the area that have Saturday night services. So if you didn't go to church on Saturday night, you can blame it on us. <laughs> uh, but really, it, it's, it's great to see uh, what happens when we worship together, when we really put our hearts in a place where we, we hear from God, even in a day like this. And, and today, I got to tell you, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about what I was going to speak on, and sometimes... I, I feel like I choose the topic, and that's a good thing. And sometimes I believe the topic sort of chooses itself, or God leads through the Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, uh, through uh, conversations I have. And today is one of those days. And in fact, I've never talked directly on this subject uh, before. Happily, even after, trust is broken. We've talked about forgiveness and all of those uh, things around that. But today what I want to look at is how do you rebuild your life, rebuild a relationship, rebuild a marriage, even when trust has been broken. 
And I, and I say this, some of you might maybe hear just from that condemnation. And here's what I want you to know, that God is in the business of restoration. Yet we do have to confront those areas of our life where maybe it has not been aligned with God. Here, before we go any further, what I want to do is I want to look at a very famous chapter in the Bible. Uh, you've heard it at wedding. If you're not a God person, uh, well, one, you came to church in the snow, so way to go. Uh, but two, uh, you've heard this before. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. And think about this in terms of relationship. Now, I'm talking primarily about the marriage relationship these few weeks. But you could apply it to other relationships as well. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Now, this one right here, you're going to be confronted on this today through the Scripture. It does not dishonor others, another big one. Let's go to the next screen, guys, if we can. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres, love never fails. See, I think all of us, we want to be loved that way. We want to experience that, that to be part of our life. But here's where reality sets in and we understand maybe where we have not loved that way, where that's not been true of our life, our relationships, even in a marriage relationship. And if you're here today and you're, we have a lot of dating, engaged couples, and, and if that's you, I want you to know this is sort of what we're shooting for. And also to be cautious about how trust can be broken, how it also can be developed as well. Well, how is trust uh, broken? Uh, one is simply lies, where we don't tell uh, the truth uh, and I'm not talking about the lies that you are allowed to tell, like, honey, how do I look in that? That's an okay. You can tell a lie with that one. I'm talking about really those lies that, that damage. In fact, someone said, well, when, how do you think we learn to lie? We don't need to learn to lie. Any of you have children? Yeah. Don't they just do it really naturally? Yeah. It, it, one of those things. We, we get it when we're young. In fact, I came across these stats uh, 52% of resumes contain lies. 74% of high school seniors admit they cheated on an exam last year, which seems low. <laughs> uh, and and just, just a side note here, and, and by the way, I'm not making excuses, because oftentimes, and, and I'll get to this, when we've done something wrong, do you know what your tendency is going to be? If you say, hey, man, this is me, your tendency is going to try to become the victim yourself. I'm not saying that in judgment. I just know that's true from my own observation, from the observations and the research of others. But that being said, there are some of us where people can't tell us the truth. If, if, we, if we are told the truth, we will punish those people. And so if that's the case, we're not responsible for the other person's lies, but we can create the atmosphere where that's more likely to happen. And so as we look at trust being built, we're talking about being honest and being someone who other people can be honest with us. There's also infidelity. And my guess is in this series, this is what you were thinking about when we were talking about when trust is broken. 
Now, there's uh, forms of infidelity, obviously sexual infidelity. There are emotional affairs. There's financial infidelity. Infidelity is described uh, like this. A violation of a couple's assumed or stated contract regarding emotional or sexual exclusivity. And then there's broken promises. And you say, well, that's, you know, not as bad as the other two, but they're really related to the other two. There's a promise that you would be there. There's a promise that you'd tell the truth. There's a promise that just wasn't kept along the way. And so when we make a decision or there's an incident that damages trust, the question is, how can it be rebuilt? See, oftentimes I think our best instincts are wrong. If you say, I'm just going to do what comes naturally to me. Can I, can I be very honest with you? If that worked, you wouldn't be in the situation where trust was broken. Sometimes we need something more. We need something better. I don't know about you. I need God to speak his truth into my life and into my heart. Where I can go not only his way, but the better way. In fact, you might be here and say, I'm not a God person. I want to tell you something. These principles... They, they work no matter what. And when we apply these, we can either rebuild trust, or maybe you're just, you know, getting in a relationship. This is how trust is cemented in the first place. My prayer is that if you find yourself in a situation where trust has been broken, it may be infidelity, it may be lies, it may be broken promises, maybe addictions, uh, chemical or sexual, it might be, as I said, finances, financial infidelity, where, the, where truth hasn't been told. I just want you to know that there's hope, and there's God's hope. And I know what some of you are thinking, Ben, I came to church on snow day, and you're talking about something this heavy. Well, the reason I am is because I truly believe God has for some of us not only a next step, but maybe a miracle. Usually I save my PowerPoint for last, but I'm going to tell you, just in case you want to go and play in the snow, listen for this first one. What does it take? Number one, vulnerability. And that's honesty without excuses. Now, as I say vulnerability, you might say, well, it takes honesty. No, it takes more than honesty. Honesty is not enough. Honesty is I tell you the facts. Included in vulnerability is honesty, but is not the uh, totality of that. In fact, in the scripture, if we can throw that up on the screen, it says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. That's the baseline. But then beyond that is where we say, these are my hopes, these are my fears. You might be on the other side of of, uh, maybe a, a situation, a lie, a broken promise, an infidelity. Have you ever shared the, the real why, not the excuses? The what was going on in your heart, maybe what's happened in your past that led you to that very place? See, I, I'm a big believer in counselors. I think those are important. But counselors will be a complete waste of your time and money without vulnerability. This is the one thing that nothing else works without it. And, and so with that, uh, if we can put our next scripture up, uh, Proverbs 16, 18, it talks about uh, how we deal with uh, our own pride. It says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit 
before a fall. We have to put aside our pride and tell the truth. Uh, during a season where, where a lot of things for a, se- a season, a lot of difficult circumstances uh, were happening uh, in my life and, and around that. I've shared some of the, those uh, uh, with you. It was one of those things I found myself sort of in a funk. And it, it, it's not, it wasn't a big thing, but I realized I wasn't being honest with my wife about sort of what I was struggling with. And then there was a breakthrough. We were in Palm Springs. And by the way, because the Holy Spirit speaks when you're in Palm Springs. Uh, and we were there and, and uh, you know, because I always want to be the strong person and not say what I'm struggling with. And uh, just said, hey, I, I just want to let you know not only what I've been thinking, but what I've been feeling. See, sometimes someone can know what you're doing. That's one level. My wife and I try to you know, know what each other is doing. But what you're thinking and feeling, that's where vulnerability comes into play. Here's some questions for you, and these are not in the outline. Uh, Does your spouse know the sins you struggle with the most? Does your spouse know what your biggest likes and dislikes are? When's the last time you said, how can I make you feel loved? See, what that is, is it's describing vulnerability, which builds a relationship. And another thing that builds it, and this is the part we don't like, are boundaries. And that's living with limits and transparency. In fact, it says in Ephesians, and if you haven't noticed, we're going through Ephesians 4 and 5, because it talks about uh, trust and relationships. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There are things that we need to do. There are limits we place on ourselves. This is a question that I'll often ask people after they've had, uh, and not necessarily a lie or an infidelity, but maybe some other struggle. And I'll say, what limits have you put on yourself? And sometimes I'll get the uh, straightforward answer, these are the things I no longer do. Every once in a while I get the reaction, what do you mean limits? Why would I put limits on myself? And if you have that reaction, that means you are 100% assured you have not dealt with in any honest way the situation that got you to this point. There are limits that we put on ourselves, that is a, a, a good thing. I, I have shared before when uh, I, I realized just limits in life when um, my daughter, uh, one of my daughters was younger, and you know, we just sort of watch TV and listen to radio and all that kind of stuff. And then I realized I needed to put limits on what uh, even my kids were listening because my little daughter was singing, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? Don't you wish your girlfriend was a freak like me? Don't you? And I'm like, no, I don't want you to be a hot little freak. That's not what I'm shooting for. (laughs) And so I'm like, maybe it's time for us to introduce some limits. Maybe for you, it's, you know, in, in the workplace. By the way, most affairs, where they happen? Mostly in the workplace. Why? Because they don't know the real you. They've never seen you sick and cranky, smelling bad and all of that. And so you come to work and you're all put together. 
You don't have any real responsibilities like you do at home. And so they see a version of you, which is only a partial version, and you get the attention, and they say, hey, well, you know, let's go out to dinner. Well, that's probably not a good idea. There are limits that we put on ourselves. I remember even a small church I pastored, and worship leader was a female, and and uh, when we would talk about, I wouldn't even meet in the church. It's like, hey, let's meet at a coffee place because I want to introduce some limits and boundaries before anything happens. It says this, Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, this submission is a very biblical thing. And for men and for women, we submit to one another. And we submit to God, and that is a, a good thing. And we need to establish boundaries with our time. Is Do we give our, our significant other the best of our time? And I've had people, well, my work is too overwhelming. I, I, I get that. But really, I mean, you look at unemployment and the economy. It'll never get better than this. Get a new job. Say that, well, that would be a financial hit. Okay. If you're willing to risk the marriage over the finances, then, no, I'm saying, if you can't give at least the best hour, or at least a great hour of your day to your spouse, if you come home tired all the time, why don't you set boundaries around that? Now, by the way, if you come home and set a stopwatch for 60 minutes, that's not going to make them feel loved. Uh, so, giving your best. And, and I just say this, because here, here's the whole thing. So many people, I didn't see, in fact, our next series is called, I Didn't See It Coming. And, and the truth is, is there's a lot of things you're not going to see coming. And I know some of you are wish, Ben, whatever happened to like the junior high humor? Why don't you do that again? I'll do that next week, don't worry. I just, I really want you to, to do well in life. And that leads to number three, priority, emotionally and practically. I talked about that. Uh, never come home empty. Choose them. Schedule marriage and family times. That's so important because uh, I, I determined, in fact, in 2009, uh, the first weekend of 2009, one of the commitments I made is I'm not going to give leftovers to my loved ones. And you say, well, Ben, can't you, you, know, you do that? E even as a pastor, believe it or not. Do you know that when I go home, no one thinks I'm funny? No one laughs at my jokes? Uh, and it, it's easy to, to lean into one area of my life and say, no, I, I'm not going to do that. It, here's what it says in the Scripture. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then there's also uh, teammates, friends who fight for you. Ecclesiastes 4.12, this is in the Bible but not in your outline, says this, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Do we have people who are bringing out the, the best in us? N now, when I say this, I'm not saying don't have any friends who are not Christians. But if you don't have some friends who are strong Christ followers who are leading you towards God's best, you know what's going to happen? 
is, in fact, uh, Andy Stanley said this, show me your five closest friends and I can show you your future. So who are the people who are there for us? Now we should, in a marriage relationship, we should be bringing out the best in each other, but we need other people who do that as well. I thank God that I have friends who uh, love me and who keep me accountable as well. But what that takes is humility. Uh, Ephesians uh, 4.2, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Shauna Nyquist uh, wrote a book uh, called uh, Cold Tangerines. And it's primarily actually written to uh, young adult, young ladies. But she talks about this sense of having people know the real you. She writes this about sort of using the, uh, the basement analogy. She says, the basement is all those things I don't want you to know about me that I want covered and are out of your sight. She says, I want you to see my living room and dining room, but not my musty basement, where there are parts of me that make me embarrassed and sad. Down there are my hurt feelings, my heartbreaks, my public failures. Down there are my lost loves, my left out feelings, the times I heard other people talk smack about me. The basement is where all my wounds are, and I want to keep it hidden. I kept it hidden until Lori came over. Lori is a friend. She saw my real basement, my emotional one. And now she knows all about me, and she still loves me and still wants to be my friend. She has seen all the ugliness of who I am, and it doesn't bother her one bit. And knowing that she knows kind of makes me feel free, like there's nothing else to hide. For you, maybe it's not your basement. It's probably something. And I think prob you probably spend a lot of time trying to cover it up. And when you find a friend who sees your worst, and she does not make fun of you or leave you or talk behind about your back, you have found a good thing. And the truth is, for many of us, we, we have the want to in our heart, but we don't have the relationships in proximity. So one of the phrases you've heard around here a long time uh, is, no one stands alone. That's just not an emotional strategy. It's a spiritual strategy and a life strategy. That God has created us to walk with each other. And maybe for you, you're saying, well, I have, you know, uh, uh, I, I stood out in the lobby and no one talked to me. Well, do you know that you are all greeters? In the name of Jesus, you are all greeters today. <laughs> And, and by the way, when did we abdicate ownership for our life? That's why a ministry team or a growth group, I don't have time for that. Make time for that. I mean, if you knew some of the people who help park your cars in your life, they have very responsible jobs. Some of them, seven, 800 people downstream in their corporations. But they're saying, you know what, I'm going to make time for serving in community. Because it's not only about what I give, it's what I receive. And it's knowing that I even, even beyond what's happening in this life, I have a greater uh, identity. And that leads to number five. Identity, living with perspective regarding God's work in you. The great news is that God calls us his sons and daughters. We may not live like it all the time, but he calls that out in us. 
And maybe you're here and you say, hey, you know what? I'm in the middle of the struggle, Ben. Uh, our, our marriage, we don't want anyone to know what we're dealing with. And maybe it's time to drop the, the facade and go right to the healing. And the healing is found in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.8, it says, For once you were in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. And then part of this is choose to forgive and to be forgiven. That trust, you know, this whole trust being rebuilt is when we choose to live in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross for us, he paid the price for our sin, past, present, and future, if we will receive that, and we can be forgiven. And in that, God gives us the power to forgive as well. Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And today, that's, that's what God wants to do. God is in that business. God wants to bring His grace and His forgiveness to you. God wants to express that through you. Do you know when you're most like Jesus? Is when someone hurts you, not that you let people continue to hurt you, not that you don't set boundaries, but when you say, I'm not going to give you what you deserve, I'm going to give you the grace that's been given me. And my prayer is for many of us here that God will do a work of grace and forgiveness and restoration. And although trust is not built in a moment, it never can be. That when we step towards Jesus, when we trust Him, and we allow that work to spread in our relationships and especially our marriages, God brings incredible and ultimate hope. And my prayer is, even on this Snowmageddon weekend, that you'll allow God to do that in your life. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.